try to go the full length of the court. With Archie Diagono, three seconds left at midcourt, gives it to Jenkins for the championship, and Villanova is, remember that guy, the sports podcast where we mine our memories for nuggets of nostalgia about peripheral players past and present, and at the buzzer, it is once again me, your host James, with my compatriots. Co-host Diaz here. I do believe that Villanova is a Philadelphia school, and we have a heated debate coming for you folks, because we have a man that does not believe that Villanova is a Philly school. Please introduce yourself, Mr. Special Guest. That's right, it's me, the very special guest Xavier, and they are definitely not a Philly school because they live further away from Philadelphia than I do. I do not live in Philadelphia. They are not a Philly school. I drive okay, past two- their campus when I go further away from the city. Two points. One, if you are speaking to someone, Xavier, that is not from the Philadelphia area, and they are not from here at all, and you're telling them where you're from, do you say that you live in Philadelphia? No, I do not. I say I live right outside okay. Philly. <laughs> I do okay, live but- literally right outside Philly because half a mile down the road is City Line Ave, which is where St. Joe's okay. is half in Philly and half not. But St. you Joe's are defining your location. You are defining your location where you live in relation to Philadelphia. You are clearly placing yourself in the larger Philadelphia metropolitan area. That's all I'm saying on that one. Second point, the city that the team has the championship parade in can claim them. I don't think there's any argument against they literally went down Market Street to celebrate. They're not going to have a parade down Lancaster Avenue because that would kill many, many people. Lancaster Avenue runs from my house all the way out through St. David's Plus. There are cars going down that all of the time. A parade down there would kill people. Here's a point that... I make in favor of Villanova being a Philadelphia school. If you've been to the Wells Fargo Center, they have banners for the Villanova championships hanging there. And Villanova does, on a regular year, play about half of their home games at the Wells Fargo Center. So here's where we can make a distinction. Is Villanova University a Philadelphia school? No. Is the Villanova basketball team a Philadelphia team? I say yes. I like that distinction. I think that's a good way to put it. Because I would not, when we were all attending school in Philadelphia, if I met someone and they were trying to say that they were in Philly, you're right, Xavier, that I would take some umbrage with that. Diaz, I completely agree that I think the Villanova Wildcats, can the three of us come to a compromise on this? The Villanova Wildcats are a Philadelphia sports team. As long as I can say say two things real quick. Oh, goodness, go for it. (laughs) They are are further away from Philly than Bryn Mawr. And two, Jay Wright did come to Philly to get Pat's and Gino's cheesesteaks as a photo op, which is the least actual Philadelphia thing ever. But it's the photo op that, is it accurate to the city? No. Is it a photo op that every Philly athlete is dragged to? Absolutely. It's more of a niche impressive thing if they go to a different cheesesteak place. Yeah. Pat's and Gino's is like, it's like, it's the bar of entry for a Philadelphia team. You need to at least go there. There is a checklist of things that we need you to do now that you're a part of this franchise. We need to have you go to Pat's and Gina's to put away some cheesesteaks. you got to run up the art museum steps. Don't actually go in because a true Philadelphian just does the steps. Maybe go down to the Rocky statue. You need to go to the Liberty Bell. You know, maybe put a second crack in it. Really leave an impression there. Literally. There's a certain few items on that list. Okay, and I swear this is the last thing we'll say about Philadelphia. But on the topic of that Liberty Bell, you want to know why it cracked? So it was made in Britain, and that's shoddy workmanship. Okay, enough of that, gentlemen. Tell me, who's making memories for you right now? 
So making memories for me, as always, is Joel Embiid. It's an incredible performance on his birthday last night, which is Wednesday, March 16th, as we record this. 35 and 16, very casual. Um, he hit a stupid three-pointer over three different Cavaliers, where the whole time he like he got it at 15 feet and he could have taken an easy shot. He was like, no, I'm Joel Embiid. I'm going to just fuck around and end up behind the three-point line and lace one right before the shot clock goes off. Joel just continuing his dominance. 28 years old, which I've always known that he's younger than us, but for some reason hearing that he's 28 as my next birthday is my 30th, is uh, it hits different. It hits a little different. Actually, oh shit, no, I am already 20. Fuck, yeah. I was going to say I'm 28 too, but no, if he just turned it, damn. Just turned 28. It's crazy. So Joel Embiid making memories for me, and not to get too geopolitical, but Vitaly Klitschko making memories for me. Mayor of Kiev, doing a live interview with, I believe, BBC as they're going through Kiev and the reporter saying that Russia is saying that these are all like attacking military bases and Vitaly like cuts them off, says bullshit, points at a residential building, says like this is a military building. So Vitaly, all time great heavyweight boxer, in my opinion, Vladimir has more accolades, but I think Vitaly was the better boxer of the two. But that's not what's important. What's important is the the stand that he's making on behalf of his people so Vitaly Klitschko also making memories that's amazing I on I mean on the light note of Joel Embiid uh he's leading the league in points right he is so that's what's gonna be the challenge for him coming down the stretch is the Lakers don't give a fuck about anything right now except for getting LeBron the scoring title so LeBron's gonna take like 30 shots a night coming down the stretch and he's just very blatantly staff padding right now very blatantly not trying on defense Really, really tough scenes for, for LeBron. Um, some people hate to see it. Some people don't. I won't tell you which camp I'm in. But that's what's going to make it tough for Embiid with him being able to focus on padding his scoring total. Also, not just in pursuit of the scoring title, but making it easier so that next year he'll be in position to, to pass Kareem for most all-time points, which will be a good accomplishment. But right now, he is the stat pad king. And I don't think it's going to matter. It, here's the thing. Is it stat padding if I don't trust anyone else on that roster to accumulate a real number of any other stat? Who the hell else on the Lakers is going to get? But it is like the Russell Westbrook first OKC season without KD, except honestly, the team around him is worse. Like if Steven Adams was on the Lakers, if that Steven Adams was on the Lakers right now with LeBron, honestly, they wouldn't be in the play-in. I don't think if he had one other guy of that level, they're probably five seed right now. It's really if Anthony Davis was able to stay healthy. That is what kind of sucks because it was supposed to be a Davis is entering his prime as LeBron is descending, but they're still able to be a dynamic duo. And Anthony Davis, for all the shit that people say about Embiid isn't durable and Embiid gets injured, Anthony Davis has missed just about as many games since Embiid actually started his career. And at this point, you know, Embiid hasn't really, you know, has not had any serious injuries this year. And Anthony Davis has had serious injuries like three or four years in a row now. So, In fact, I believe Embiid, maybe a month ago, he has now officially played more games than he's missed uh, in his NBA career. Narrowly, but hey, look, I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, I've never been that high on Anthony Davis. He's made of glass. Uh, he's made of glass. He had, he had a great year. Got hurt a lot in New Orleans. Forced his way out. Great in a bubble. It has barely stayed healthy since. He got the one, the one championship. I just can't see him. He he can't stay on the floor because his game 
hits the deck so often, so often. Even when he's not hurt, it looks like he's hurt himself. And then he hurts himself the next time. The amount of times I see him fall, he can't stay on his feet. Diaz, I'm trying to learn from you the art of the hot take. I'm going to try one right now, and I want you to tell me if I'm getting any better at this. Anthony Davis is easily not a top 10 NBA player. I don't know if he's a top 15 NBA player right now. Here's, here's where you need to get better at this, James. And this is the, I'm hedging it too life. much still. Exactly. You're like, he might not be a top 15. If, Confidently, if Anthony, Davis, Anthony Davis is not a, a top 10 NBA player. I will say that with confidence. Anthony Davis is not a top 10 NBA player. What you also need to do is you need to denigrate the straw man that you're creating. So you need to say, like, if you believe that Anthony Davis is a top 15 player in the NBA, you need to stop staring at spreadsheets and actually watch a game. Like you need to if you believe like that, that Anthony Davis is a top 10 NBA player right now, I have a Brooklyn Bridge to try and sell you. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. We're getting better. I think you need but to I, be more insulting. I like the sarcasm, though. No, see, I, got, I can't He's get not even a top 25 player. Also Ooh. exaggerate hyperbole. And even then, like, you know, I could make a case. Like, Anthony Davis yeah. didn't make the All-Star game this year. So that's 24 players right there that can conceivably make an argument for each of them that they are better than Anthony Davis. Well, and actually, we could say 25 because uh, my beautiful DeJounte Murray did replace Draymond Green. And you know what? Right now, if I had to pick between DeJounte Murray and Anthony Davis, is DeJounte Murray seven days and twice on Sunday? No question. No question. Especially as you look for the future. Good. We're getting better. Well, Xavier... If Anthony Davis, as not even a top 25 NBA player, can't possibly make any memories for you, I would like to know who in this moment can. Uh, Adam Schefter tweeting that Devontae Adams is being traded to the Las Vegas Raiders uh, right now. That literally that's just cool. Happened. Oh, shit, that's cool. <laughs> a lot of breaking news on the podcast. This is a live reaction. He's going to the Raiders. <laughs> Why does the AFC West just want to be insane? Did Aaron Rodgers officially sign his contract yet? Because he could just straight up retire now. Oh my god. <laughs> he could. Wow. That really is crazy to see what happens with that. Adam Schefter. There's one. He did have other like, stuff, but this was interesting. <laughs> when you started that, when you said Devontae Adams trade, I was like, I mean, Brian did just go to the bar. He likes to negotiate trades when he's uh, at the bar, but holy hell. Like an actual Devontae Adams trade. The real league. Wow. Okay, yeah, so that's crazy. Uh, <laughs> I came out of the blue. I did have other stuff to say, um, so I'll be quick now. Getting over the AFC West, trying to arms race each other with quarterbacks, wide receivers, and pass rushers, so they will all kill each other next year. One, Knicks suck, but RJ Barrett is great, so I love RJ. Two, as a Jets fan, I have seen the perils of, quote, winning free agency before. But I have actually been pretty impressed with what Joe Douglas has done this year. Not really going for big names, but getting good deals done for solid players and players that, you know, are durable. I really like the Lake and Tomlinson signing. We've missed two snaps in four years, essentially, something like that for the for the Niners. And it was a pro bowler last year. I really like the DJ Reed signing, the Jordan Whitehead signing. Our Temple boy, Jacob Martin, uh, coming back to the Northeast. I'm, I'm a fan of that. You know, we'll see what happens. Do have four good draft picks, but you can never really say for sure when it comes to that. I thought, you know, I thought C.J. Mosley would be a great signing. And I've liked C.J. Mosley, but he also didn't play for two seasons. You know, really kills the make him the highest paid inside linebacker. AFC North studs just go to the Jets to die. You got Le'Veon, <laughs> got Mosley. Who else can we think of? 
Jermaine. Jermaine. Holmes. Mark Scott had a bit of a drop-off when he got over there. Um, I mean, Ed Reed was a New York Jet for like two games before he retired, retired. He signed a three-year contract with the Texans, didn't make it through the season, did play the Ravens, went to the Jets, played the Ravens a second time, both times in Baltimore, and then retired. That's wild. Do you think that was his intention behind signing with the Jets? He was like, I don't give a shit about the Jets. We were 100% certain that he was going to sign with Bill Belichick for the Patriots to play us a third time. Baltimore was 100% certain that any day we were going to hear it, Ed Reed was going to walk in as an opposing player for a third time in a year. And honestly, it'd be kind of one of the greatest things I'd ever seen live in football. Just milk the ovations. Keep coming back for a curtain call. (laughs) I would also like to add that I don't think there's any word that puts in more work during the first week of NFL free agency than durable. Durable has such a high PR. Every single article about any free agent. Hey man, he's, he's a good value. He's durable has, has played all of these games recently. You're, you're getting a good healthy starter. It's gotta be one of those Google trending charts. You can see interest over time. I swear it's got to be at least a three times higher than usual usage this entire week. So kudos to Durable. The inverse is true too. You know, I don't want to trade for Danielle Hunter because he's played seven games in the past two years. He's not Durable. The best ability is availability. I mean, no, the, the best ability is ability. People do love their availability. I don't know, but speaking of availability... The, the USA announced their uh, their roster for their last three World Cup qualifiers uh, are at 6 o'clock today. Now it's a little stressful because about an hour and a half beforehand, our starting right back, uh, Serginho Dest, who starts for Barcelona, probably one of our three to four best players. Uh, I did watch him pull his hamstring, and he will almost certainly have to be replaced on the roster. And that stresses me out a little bit. We have... Mexico at the Azteca on the 24th, home against Panama on the 27th, and then at Costa Rica on the 30th. Three points, we have a good chance of qualifying. Four points, we're almost certainly going to qualify. Five points is a guarantee, but really, based on who we play, four points is a guarantee. You know, that home game against Panama is going to be massive because Panama is behind us in the standings. Right now, the way it is is Canada, they're almost certainly qualified at 25 points. USA at 21, Mexico at 21, but with the worst goal difference. Then Panama at 17 and Costa Rica at 16. Top three qualify, fourth goes to a one-game playoff against New Zealand. Again, we play Mexico, Panama, and Costa Rica, the three that are also challenging to qualify. Only drawn once in Costa Rica in the 80s. Every other time we've gone there, we've lost. And we've drawn, I believe, twice ever at the Azteca, but never won there. That's two extremely difficult games. And then Panama, who have been very good so far and beat us in Panama earlier this year. Stressful, and we're going to be missing Dest most likely. We're also missing our starting goalkeeper, Matt Turner. And we are missing Weston McKenney, who is our best midfielder and who had been in the form of his life for Juventus before a slide tackle broke his foot in two places and he will miss the rest of the season. He still should qualify. The talent on this team is there. They have starters from massive clubs all over Europe, but our coach, I, I still don't trust him. I'm more stressed than I should be, especially after what happened four years ago in Trinidad and Tobago. 
I'm not going to feel good until we have officially qualified. Going to be stressed for probably the next 13 days, but we will see what happens. If you're scared, hey, you get know, a dog. If you're scared, get a dog, Xavier. We're yeah. allergic. I can't. You, get a nice hypoallergenic boy slash girl. Just let it be. Just watch sports. Come on, Tyler Adams. I believe in you. Just don't get a yellow card against Mexico because then you'd be suspended against Pano. Such a specific concern. On that note, we had a very specific concern that we ended last episode with regarding Greg Popovich. And then two hours later, he got the all-time wins record. An all-time great editor's note. Yeah, I I put it in there. But I do just want to say one last time, hey, love my basketball grandpa. Meanwhile, also in San Antonio, let me tell you guys about something that's making memories for me. Jamie Means goes to University of the Incarnate Word. She took a year off from the UIW basketball team. To practice for her MCATs, which she passed with flying colors by all reports. Uh, and then she came back and played in the first four this year for UIW. They did unfortunately lose 55-53 to the Howard Bison. But hey, such a cool story. And love that it was also in San Antonio. There is one last memory that I would like to share from you all from this last week. Uh, you guys remember Al Harrington? Yeah, uh, linebacker, right? No, no, no. Basketball Al Harrington. Basketball, yeah. I was thinking LeVar. Uh, so he's... Like seven NBA teams. I remember. I remember yeah. yeah, yeah. So a long-time player. Uh, he's gotten into the cannabis industry afterwards. All power to him. Love that. He showed up to the Pistons Hawks game this week. I have saved this specifically for you, Diaz, with a pound of a particular strain of marijuana that is called Allen Iverson. Allen <laughs> Iverson's own, own special. You know what's funny? So I've read an interview that Iverson did with GQ with uh, Tyler Tynes. And in it, Iverson claims strongly that he doesn't smoke weed and hasn't smoked weed in like 25 years. But he was recently pictured at a Sixers game eating popcorn with just the most blazed out eyes I've ever seen in my life. A big dumb grin on his face and just having the best time of his life courtside at the Sixers game. And to your point, yes, it is becoming more and more legalized and more and more mainstream commercialized. There's nothing to be afraid of, Alan. We can all admit it. Some of us enjoy a good toke <laughs> every now and then. And why not? Why not? And also, you know what? I just love the power move, frankly, from Al Harrington on that front. Because it was a great social media post for his company. So I hope that he goes and gets that cheddar. Oh, I'm sorry. Save you. An update from Ian Rappaport. Your Devontae, Devontae Adams, 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 Adams on Monday. <laughs> five years, $141 million. Average of 28 and a quarter million per year, highest paid wide receiver ever. And because people like Diaz questioned it, follow-up tweet, yes, Aaron Rodgers' contract is signed. <laughs> it's an important question and one that deserved answers. I hope you appreciate what it was like in this moment. And in this moment, we have something important that we need to do. And it is time for our second convening of the Veterans Committee for the prestigious Hall of Guy. And that is our relitigation committee. There's been a little bit of ironing out. You know, as we're going to have this as a recurring bit, we need, to, we need to make sure that we lay down ground rules so we can break them later, but at least acknowledge that we're breaking them. Uh, the ground rules, as we have it. Each of us is going to take a turn, two rounds, picking someone from the other two individuals that, that wasn't able to make it in their week that we think still deserves consideration for this haul. They still meet the credentials of, of guyness. There's still something about their story that we think demands to be represented in this. We'll put all of them at the end to basically a simple yes or no vote from the council. And then we will have a mass induction. 
into our hall. Uh, Diaz was consulted, this being his initial brainchild this week. We have made one distinction that was not relevant last time, but it, it has come to our attention that we need to decide whether people from the entire run be considered for this, or whether it was just individuals since the last time the committee convened. Now, perhaps someday in the future, there may be a, a second level veterans committee that might question what we now are saying. But for the time being, as the head commissioner of the relitigation committee, Diaz has declared that we will not be considering anyone from outside of the most recent batch of episodes since relitigation. So if you, if you didn't make it in on your second shot in that run, then maybe someday you get looked at again, but it's not for quite a bit of time. With that, I'll go ahead and get things kicked off, gentlemen. I have a couple thoughts about uh, who, who I wanted to bring, and I want to admit one thing. First off, I did f realize that we haven't brought any baseball in since last relitigation. So a big one. This is one from you, Diaz. I want to go back to Jamie Moyer. Jamie Moyer, I, I think very important that he gets in for a couple different reasons. One, I was just so appreciative of the all-time home run allowed record. Uh, I think that's that's one of those records that you got to get in somehow if someone sticks around long enough for that. In fact, going off of that, something that I realized, you know how many hits he allowed? Oh, geez. It's got to be over 3,000. Oh, it's over 4,000. It's actually 4,231, <laughs> which is all time second in the uh, hits list behind Pete Rose and ahead of Ty Cobb, which means in Jamie Moyer's career, he participated in more at-bats that contained a hit than any baseball player other than Pete Rose. So this may even go further because I know he spent a lot of years with the Mariners, but how many hits did he get with? Oh my goodness. I hadn't even considered that he had been a What's national league pitcher. 51 hits. Yeah. 51 hits. So I don't think that's enough to swing it. 51? 51 hits. That puts him at 4,282. Pete Rose has 4,256 hits. Jamie Moyer participated in more at-bats in baseball that resulted in a hit than Pete Rose did. He has to be in. Some other things that, like, I love that he is an intersection of so many guys like Greg Maddox and Pedro Martinez having that weird relief connection that way. And I love that he 100% has at least, like, two cities where he is very beloved between Seattle and Philadelphia. The Philadelphia homecoming is great, but still having that, like, full major league career in Seattle. Amy Moyer is... Perhaps the best candidate we've ever put forth for relitigation, not just because of the transient nature of his career, as you mentioned, being significant to a few different communities. We also discovered that he has these weird records, not only allowing the most home runs, but also participating in the most at-bats, which ended in a hit. So he could have qualified for our records. He could have qualified for our Philly guy episode. So three different episodes he could have potentially won outright. And I think it should just be a call of acclamation here. I mean, Xavier, if you disagree, but I know I would love to hear your thoughts. Oh, I mean, I, I had Damian Moyer at the top of my list for this, too, for a different reason than you two. Uh, I think my favorite Jamie Moyer thing is that at the age of 29, he was already pretty much a flame out. He spent the entire season in the minors because yeah. he, couldn't, he couldn't stick with the Cardinals, the Cubs, and the Tigers. So 86 to 91, then nothing in 92, and then 
93 to 2010 and then 2012. He said, okay, I missed my age 29 season, so I'm just going to play for another 20 more years. It's absolutely wild. Awesome. Well, I'm glad we're in agreement there. Uh, Xavier, I think I feel bad since I've taken one out from under you. Why don't we head to you next for, for our next reconsideration? Uh, sure. I mean, the next person I had up was one of your guys, James, who unfortunately never got a full look because of the circumstances of that episode. And that is Lee Evans. Lee Evans. Okay. Go Lee. You know, I might just have a, a, a soft spot for guys who were never great, but were really good for a team for a while to the point where they're still, they're not considered the top of that team, but if you actually look at their record books, they're up there. Lee Evans. I don't think anyone would ever say he's one of the greatest Bills of all time, especially with those Bills teams of the 90s. But top five in Bills history for receptions, yards, touchdowns, just by nature of being there for, you know what, seven years. And, and in particular being there when there weren't a whole lot of other guys there. Yeah, I mean, and he never made a Pro Bowl either. He was just quietly doing his job. And it's sad because when we talked about him previously, it was more about the failure he had with a different team. But I'm, I, I respect the Pretty the big failure. <laughs> to be fair, it was a pretty big failure. Yeah, but you win anyway. You win plenty of times. Eventually. You saw me walk out of the room that day. The thing that I loved learning about Lee Evans the most was that not only was that his first ever playoff one, but that he did not drop a target until that catch. Honestly, looking it up made it more heartbreaking. But again, as you're saying, I could kind of handle that because of what followed it later on. And so that heartbreak just added more uh, retroactive depth to the joy that that Super Bowl brings me anytime I think about it. <laughs> Climb to the mountaintop is always more rewarding in hindsight once you've gotten there. Lee Evans might have tried to kick you down that mountaintop a couple times. He, didn't, like, he slipped. Gonna I'm happen. not going to say that he did anything maliciously. He slipped, but he slipped right at the top, and it was pretty bad, and everyone was tied to him in that moment. For that reason, I would like to, if it's all right, I want to mull Lee Evans over as we continue to talk. I, I feel strongly about Lee Evans. I brought him forward. But sometimes we bring guys to the episodes that we're maybe excited to talk about the story, but don't necessarily expect them to make it in. And so I want to ruminate. Let that ruminate. We'll yeah, let it marinate. Let it oscillate. Does that work? <laughs> it's, I'm, I am oscillating. I'll tell you that. I am oscillating right now. Not ovulating. Uh, Diaz, <laughs> who you got first up? I will complete the rotation since we've put forth one of my guys, we've put forth one of your guys, I'll put forth one of Xavier's guys. I was torn here between two different guys. And I think between Bernie Williams and Nick Anderson, I do want to put forth Nick Anderson, which is very tough for me. It's very, very tough for me to say that. It's very tough for me to do that because I do love Bernie Williams. I do love a great... Puerto Rican baseball player, member of the original World Baseball Classic team for Puerto Rico. Incredible musician, as we learned, continuing the legacy of Carlos Arroyo. We could have two Puerto Rican musicians in the Hall of Guy, but unfortunately for Bernie, I do have to give the nod to Nick Anderson. Just because one of the things that I think is most beautiful about sports is it's not all just triumphs. For every triumph, that triumph was somebody's horrific moment. And... 
that's what makes the narrative of sports and like the through line of sports so great is that we have these ups, we have these incredible downs. And Nick Anderson, one of the most infamous downs in NBA history, missing four straight free throws as a 70% free throw shooter, seeing how that really affected the rest of his career from that point forward. He was never as confident as a shooter again at a time when he was considered a three-point marksman. He was like a three-point specialist in the in the 90s until that moment. And I think that is very tough for him. But just that moment resonates with me when I think of like, you know, that thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. Nick Anderson is like one of the first things I think of when I think of the agony of defeat. I also think of Adam Morrison crying when he lost <laughs> to UCLA. That was horrific. We watched the end of that game. Like Gonzaga really had it under control. It's unreal how they blew it. I digress. Nick Anderson put up with a lot of shit. He had to deal with a lot of things. And I think just the fact that he remained in the league for like seven years after that, a victory in and of itself, like that could have absolutely crippled some players who maybe didn't dunk in game seven of the Eastern Conference semifinals and now have not been able to take a basketball court ever since because they are so terrified of their failure that they can't admit that they actually need to improve and need to work on things. Nick Anderson is not a guy like that. Nick Anderson is a guy that confronts his failings and keeps trying to do his best. So I would, like I his- would almost think that you had someone in mind for this hypothetical example that you presented <laughs> to us. Just a hypothetical. It's, it's strictly a hypothetical. We'll call them like, Sen Bimmons. All, all likenesses and inferences are purely coincidental and in no way reflect the views of the members of the Remember That Guy podcast. Anyway, just like his Orlando Magic brethren, Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz is a guy that also has had his own shooting difficulties, but you know what? Markel gets out there on the court every time he can, and so did Nick Anderson. So I'd like to put forward Nick. Man, you would have had a real tough time that episode if you'd not been in your post-Super Bowl walkabout. It was, you know, I, I lost myself somewhere on Bourbon Street. It's, it's, it's what happens. It happens to the best of us. But I'm glad now I can help to right the wrongs of that episode. Lee Evans has been put forth for reconsideration, and now I will complete that episode and re-put forward Nick. All right. Well, I, I love that you mentioned three-point specialists there because as we as we kick off the second round i i try to not just go immediately with my gut when when i look at the list of who hasn't gone in yet and i try to read into it see what we can find and i was reading the wikipedia page for trent tucker and it called him one of the game's earliest three-point specialists on there and i didn't know much about trent tucker at all i just knew there was a trent tucker rule but they're not entirely wrong Do you know that in the 88-89 season, in like 22 and a half minutes a game, he averaged 3.7 three-point attempts, which is not a lot, but it was more than four entire teams did per game. And that is, by the way, the Heat, the Bullets, the Clippers, and the Spurs. That is because the Knicks were leading the league in three-point attempts by a wide margin, but it was one of those things where... You guys have presented to me maybe like a missing link that I didn't necessarily understand in the history of sports. Both like I know more of the background about this rule now, thanks to, to Xavier's recounting. And w- we were just able to uh, accidentally unearth this weird statistical fossil record of, of Trent Tucker, of all people, in the evolution of three point shooting from Pete Maravich all the way to Steph Curry. Here, somewhere in the middle is Trent Tucker. He's, he lines up with like uh, Homo, 
I was about to say Homo erectus, but I can't say that. Uh, he's like right around Homo habilis, which I believe is one or two steps short. It's Australopithecus, Homo erectus, Homo habilis, Homo sapiens, Homo sapiens sapiens. I'm almost certain that that is the order of rough when, progression. When did, when did we double up on the sapiens? That's new to me. I never knew we we doubled. Our I think sapiens. that's after we fuck Neanderthals for a while. <laughs> I'm not joking. Like I said that the way that I said it, but that is basically, I believe, what happened. They looked at each other and they said, hey, you got some strength. I got some brains. Let's figure this out. And then Europe colonized a lot of the world and killed so many people. Uh, but eventually we got basketball and from basketball, we got three point shooting. And at some point in the important development of that three point shooting, there was Trent Tucker. So Trent Tucker is, is my, my second one. That is my nomination from Xavier's past nominees that I would like to reconsider. Thoughts, Xavier? I love both my basketball players. I think they're both fantastic guys. I think they both have had a very interesting impact on the NBA. I mean, Trent Tucker, a rule, a rule that we see implemented a lot. I mean, teams usually have to to draw plays specifically for those three-tenths of a second, even, you know, if technically you could get a shot off quicker than that. It's the rule. And again... The Knicks were ahead of the curve when it came to three-point shooting, but guys weren't really great at three-point shooting at the time. So, you know, what you put up four attempts, you make one of them, you're a three-point specialist, even if you're shooting 25% from, from three, because it just was not part of the game at that point. And yeah. I think it's a, it, a really good evolution. And then when it comes to Nick Anderson, you know, I just, I love the bounce back he's had personally after you know a massive failure that killed the magic they were so good in that game and they just never recovered from from blowing it and who knows what happens if he makes those free throws do they go on to win the title does Shaq stay in Orlando does Kobe stay in Charlotte because he doesn't force a trade to go to LA does Phil Jackson not do anything with the Lakers, and we only know of him as the Bulls. Phil Jackson. There's a lot. Does of- Tim Duncan win more championships than Bill Russell? And this one, I can answer. If it happened, <clears throat> yes. There's a lot of butterfly effect that that you can go through from Nick Anderson missing those four free throws in a row. It was a good movie too. I really liked that. I thought. Was- <laughs> There's like four direct-to-video sequels. All of those are pretty bad. I think I watched like five minutes of the first one. I was like, Jesus Christ. But yeah, no, Nick is, you can't tell the story of the NBA, I think, without the story of Nick Anderson's four missed free throws. And also he lives forever on NBA Jam, where he is still a three-point specialist in that game. One of the best three-point shooters behind like Reggie Miller and uh, your boy, John Starks. Love John Starks. Nick started cheat code in NBA Jam because you got Ewan for the dunks and blocks and you got Starks for the threes. Oh, love using the Knicks in NBA Jam. Trent Tucker not in that. You know who's really, really good on the one that they made in like 2008, 2009 for the Wii? The Celtics where you can just have Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett. It's stupidly unfair. I would win games like 100 to 40 because Kevin Garnett blocks everything. That is the NBA Jam (laughs) formula. Give me a center that can dunk and block everything and get me a guy that's just automatic from three. Paul Pierce, just stay on the sideline. Enjoy doing the things that you do on your Instagram videos. There's another one that came out today. I don't know if you guys saw it. 
I'm not going to describe it on this podcast. This is a family-friendly podcast. <laughs> you guys should go look no, it up. No, it's not. We're marked as explicit on every single platform that we're on. That's bullshit. I think, it says, I think it says clean on Apple Podcasts. I'm pretty sure it well, does. Remember, it shouldn't. I remember remarking that. I was like, we curse a lot, and we don't censor any of it. Hey, anyway, shout out to the other eight people that played NBA Jam on the Wii in 2008. Uh, Xavier, I'm so glad that we've we've pleased you with our selections, but I would like to hear who your next one is here in round two. Uh, yeah, so my next one is uh, a, a dual threat star guy that was brought by Diaz. And I'm talking about Jeremy Bloom. Good. I was hoping we'd get Jeremy Bloom in there. This is this works out perfectly. I'm so happy about this. Please tell me why we brought Jeremy Bloom back. There really was so much to talk about with Jeremy Bloom, and that's not even getting into his family and Molly's game. <laughs> but uh, you know, it just the the idea that youngest male member of the United States ski team ever at the time, you know, at 15, just dominated for years, except for the Olympics. And then after, you know, eight years, like, okay, I'm going to do something else. So he just goes to his hometown, UC Boulder, becomes a freshman All-American wide receiver and punt returner, and ends up in the NFL, even if it is only for, you know, a cup of coffee, one there. I mean, like, people don't usually get two careers where they reach the pinnacle in both of them. Hey, I competed in the Olympics, and also I competed in the NFL. I just think about how, like, he didn't make enough of a mark on the highest level to be really a star to get out of the guy thing, even though I did say dual threat star earlier. I more was more of a star among guys. If he a had star won a gold, of a, look, an Olympian star... 75% of the time is relatively an unknown entity to the larger population. That is fair enough. But it, it, it just really is interesting to, to see, you know, all the things that, that he did, both in skiing and in football. And also, cool documentary about mental health pressures for Olympic athletes, which very important to talk about because Olympic athletes are disproportionately young and go through like ton of training and insane pressures that most of us cannot even imagine. I I, I really like the uh, what Diaz's you know story about Jeremy Bloom. Diaz, your thoughts? Big Jeremy Bloom guy, big mental health guy. Love all of that. It's no wonder that they fuck so much in the Olympic Village. It's got to be so stressful. <laughs> um, no, I mean I it's just Jeremy. like what if they ever had the time before then? You've got everything scheduled in your life when you are training for it. Very true. Very true. No, love Jeremy Bloom. Wish he would have been better for the Eagles. Nonetheless, like you said, Xavier, to to be a world class athlete in two different sports, like there's people that play two different sports, but to be world class as both a return specialist and as a freestyle skiing. Really, really incredible stuff. So I full endorsement for Jeremy. It's, it, it sounds like we're good with him. And I think that Diaz, that means we have one last candidate and whoever else is on your mind right now. We have one more. And James, between your nominees, I did have a few that I was debating. Um, March Shot was one that I was looking at, but I just think she sucks too much. 
Uh, yeah, like she was a great. Again, sometimes we bring people that we know. Like, hey, it's a good story. I kind of hope almost that they don't make it, but it's it's worth discussing. I'll I'll be straight up. I'd vote down March Shot if you had said March Shot. I was ready to do that if either of you brought her up. Totally fair. I I wouldn't dare. The other that I was considering was Eddie Geidel. I thought Guy literally in the name, but based on just the fact that it was only the one appearance, Eddie Geidel was not. His life's work was not to be an athlete, is, is the best way I can probably say that. He, he was uh, an entertainer, and we don't have an entertainer's wing yet. And, and it exactly. breaks my heart a little bit, but I get it. Maybe one day. Eddie Geidel, if we do come up with more things for reconsideration, I, I would like to see some... some... <laughs> we, could, we could make him a plaque that's one-eighth size. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be... Uh... Yeah, just make sure Yeah, just decrease the resolution. <laughs> So I thought about Eddie, but thought not Eddie. Um, so what I did finally settle on was the first athlete that you put forward this go through, James, and that was Tim Horton. Good. I think there's a lot. Good. I think there's a lot to the Tim Horton story, as I mentioned on the on that podcast. I always just thought it was the restaurant thing. I was like, oh, this fucking guy named Tim just uh, really loved donuts and really loved Canada. So that was that was the whole thing. But I did learn in your telling of the story that he was also a hell of a hockey player. Hall of Fame hockey player in the classic sense, you know, didn't didn't wear the helmet. Love that. Love love a guy that is just out here not caring about brain damage. It's it's a good it's a good guy characteristic, I think. Then the the founding of the restaurants, but then also similar as I said with Nick Anderson, I think like tragedy is unfortunately a part of some stories. And unfortunately his did end uh, with that car accident. Stuff like that is what can humanize some of these athletes. Where you know sometimes they do seem like they're otherworldly, especially like Hall of Fame talents, but stuff like that can kind of be humanizing, I think, and really take you from a star to a guy. So I thought all of those things considered, Tim Horton is somebody that I honestly thought we were gonna end up going Horton when we had that vote. I was I was very surprised that Carl Weathers won out, but I do want to put forward again for reconsideration in this relitigation, Tim Horton. I love everything that you said there. Xavier, do you have any any thoughts about the Donut Man? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like Tim Horton. If I was going to have any complaint, it would be the same as I had when we talked about him, in that he was a Hall of Famer. And my only worry is, can a Hall of Famer in a major sport be a guy? Especially when it- his name is known so far and wide, even if you are like Diaz and do not know he was an actual person. No, you can't say that even if for Diaz. Like, Diaz is my complete justification for it because we know that there are other Diaz's out there who don't know that Tim Horton is a real person. Like, look, again, I loved learning about Trent Tucker, but when I heard there was a Trent Tucker rule, I knew that Trent Tucker was clearly a former basketball player. Like, I, I didn't learn that that was a real person. He learned that Tim Horton was not a corporate mascot <laughs> and then everything about Tim Horton in like a 25 minute span. I thought it was like, look, Tim Horton, Ronald McDonald, Kane Berger, you know. Can I ask you what you pictured Tim Horton looking like? Like, I'm just curious, what did Tim Horton look like in your mind's eye? I thought he was a jolly, about 5'7", five, 5'8", five, portly gentleman who had been balding for a while but had like a nice comb over that maybe passed, but you knew he probably about 10 years ago should have just bitten the bullet and gone bald. He has a nice comb over and he's so nice that you wouldn't dare say anything to him about it. 
Because it's fucking Tim Horton. And all he wants to do is give you delicious donuts and maybe a coffee on the side if you'd like that. But what's what's he dressed like? What's it? What's I, I need to have the whole picture. So he's got like a red plaid um, long button down, uh, like long sleeve button down, kind of like whitish yellow stripes crisscrossing on it. And he's wearing jeans, but he also has a suit jacket with it. And the suit jacket does not match in color at all. It's like green for some reason. So he's got a green suit jacket and he's got a red dress shirt tucked into jeans. And uh, he's got he's got nice shoes, though. He does have shoes that are much nicer than the rest of his outfit. The shoes cost as much as everything else that he's wearing. That's that's what I envision with Tim Horton. Yeah, uh, Tim Horton. I, I was muted this entire time because I was dying listening to that. <laughs> that's great. No, it's uh, the one other thing that I want to say about Tim Horton, just because I want this to be remembered about him, is despite his personal demons and despite his position as a hockey defender, typically something I think we associate with goons, was remarked upon specifically by people as just like such a gentle giant. So like the idea that he just when there was a fight would hug guys and pull them away so that the fight would not spread. We love our goons in hockey, but we gotta love our, our gentle giants too. Well I I mean so far, I think we're five for six total agreement as we get back into Lee Evans here. Here's my other thing about Lee Evans. We are starting to develop a type, which is guys that are involved in particularly gut-wrenching NFL playoff stories. And, and look, that's a good guy. That's a good archetype. I'm not saying it's a bad archetype. I, I think, if anything, I just want to make sure that we're practicing self-awareness as we kind of consider this just to recognize that seems to be something we're gravitating towards. There, there is definitely a, a, a proclivity so far in, in the hall for recognizing that. If that's what our fandom represents, then that's, uh, after all, the ones cursed for eternity to continue to fill this with proper guys. So it's going to reflect us, but, but so far a reflection of us involves a whole lot of heartbreaking NFL playoff failures. I mean, I mean, James, it's it's up to you at this point because they have to be unanimous for the relitigation. If we want to go five out of six, I'm fine. It doesn't. We don't have to agree on all of them. They don't. Everyone doesn't have to be added in. If you don't feel strongly about Lee Evans being in, totally fine. Especially since you were the person who brought Lee Evans. So it'd be very kind of weird if we voted him in over your objections. <laughs> this is this is my final approach. I'm, I'm trying to recognize that there's an opportunity here as someone that, when they saw that, was a still growing and, and maybe pettier child. 18-year-olds are still children, by all means. And you know what? The opportunity here to display the growth that this last decade of life has, has provided me with Lee Evans, hey, all, all of it. Here, I'll, I'll list them off, and then Diaz, I'll, I'll give you the honors. Uh, we've got Nick Anderson before us. We have Trent Tucker before us. We've been calling them all up to the stage. They've been let out of the dungeon from down below. The rest of them are staying down in the dungeon, unfortunately, but these six are coming up. Uh, we've got Trent Tucker. We've got Nick Anderson. We've got Tim Horton. We have Jamie Moyer. We have Jeremy Bloom. And you know, come on out, Lee Evans. Come on out of the dungeon. Come on up on the stage. Diaz, if you would, please. To these six guys who have persevered through multiple rounds of litigation and then relitigation, 
we commend your perseverance. We commend your bravery. We really commend you for being willing to hang out in the dungeon ever since your original discussion. So especially in the case of Tim Horton, really, really appreciate that you were just chilling down there for like a couple of months, dude. Like, I guess you brought donuts for everybody. I don't know if you set up a shop down there. RTG will be taking 20% of your profits if you were doing that. You remember the contract, Tim. But I digress because to you six, congratulations and welcome into the Hall of Guy. Congratulations, one and all. I, I'm so glad that we allow ourselves this this opportunity to, to go back because it is just so fun every week to hear these stories. And the reason that I'm taking a moment to draw this out right now uh, is because this is the 26th week doing this. Uh, we've been doing this for half a year now. Uh, and I just want to take a moment to make sure I'm saying out loud what a pleasure it is to force my friends every single week to come up with good sports stories to share with us. And I am so glad that we have further honored, God, what is it now? 30 guys uh, with, with honorifics for, for being a part of this. Uh, it's, it's been an absolute delight. 31. I am so sorry. 31 unaired pilot. How could you forget Chris Matthews' agent, too? True. I am so sorry, Chris Matthews' agent. It's been a joy bringing these 32 people into this nascent hall. And of course, our one band from Meadowcore. It's it's been a super fun half year for anyone that's that's been here with us for half of a year. Great! I'm so glad that you find anything in this that is entertaining. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, all of our listeners. I know we have a few people that are international. So, if you are the New Zealander that for some reason listens to this podcast, I just want to say thank you so much. If you want to send us an email at remembering guys at gmail.com. I would love to hear about some rugby guys. We would love to hear about some rugby guys. Kind of a kind of a blind spot. Maybe something we can focus on for, for season three. In all seriousness, thank you to everybody that listens. I think that I have some pretty stupid ramblings. So it's it's very impressive you've been you've kept coming back and continue to listen. And somehow our listener base grows. So thank you everybody. With that we do have some uh, as we did last time after relitigation uh, alternative programming coming up. We'll tell you more about that when those episodes drop on Mondays, as they always do. That's all I've got. Xavier, any last words from you? Uh, nothing for me, other than apparently Devontae Adams had the same deal from the Packers and chose to leave Green Bay because he wanted a fresh start. Wow. My God. Well, uh, as we begin, so we end with some beautiful Devontae Adams news. Thank you so much again for joining us. I've been James. I've been the very special guest, Xavier. I'm your co-host Diaz, and as was once said about Ali Farokmanesh, you can't be serious with that guy. <laughs>